Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science. With beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Please be advised that Little Miss Recap contains adult language. I thought index cards weren't allowed on Little Miss Recap. They are. No, I don't. I don't remember putting that into the handbook for employees. Too late. I didn't read the employee handbook. I'm a contractor. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Little Miss Recap, the podcast where every second counts. Oh, God. You like that one, Jen? Yeah, that's good. Guys, I'm Amy Archer, and I'm here today with the Brooklyn Witch. (laughs) My older sib, Jenny. I'm back. What up, Jen? What's going on? It's been a while since I got to say, what up, Jen? Yeah, I don't even know how to do this anymore, so mm. bear with me. Jenny's been off in, like, real work land <laughs> doing stuff. Amy's doing all the work again. I'm, do- but I'm doing this- all the work. But this time I'm not reaping the benefits of it. That's true. That's very true. Jenny and I had to pop in. We we So here's the thing. We wanted to record together because she's at my house for Fourth of July weekend. And we tried to do Our Father, and there was, I don't know, like a little bit too much religion and too much masturbation in that for me. <laughs> I, I mean, you never expect those things to go hand in hand. Plus, like, there's not a lot that happens. Like, uh, you know what I mean? It's just like, this guy's everybody's father. And it like, once you're past the 15th person, like, it becomes, you know what I mean? Like, there's no surprises left. It's yeah, just like, oh, yeah. we're on the 35th sibling. Do we know how many are total? No, we'll 195, I have no idea. It's insane. I mean, it's it, an insane story. I just feel like you can't talk for an hour about it. I agree. And I will just say very quickly that the whole idea of like switch to birth or like an insemination mix up is ripped right out of our childhood. Oh, like yeah. That, that Gen X type situation. You always were waiting for that to land in your life somewhere. <laughs> like switch to birth. Yeah. <laughs> so Jenny and I are here to talk about the bear season two which we watched together this weekend mostly um and this episode serves as a refresher for those of you going into season three 
who need to remember what happened in season two. So we will talk about everything that happened in season two. So if you have not finished it, do not listen. Correct. Lots Is that of spoilers. Mm-hmm. All right, Jenny. Um, do you have anything to annoy me with up top? Um, I just feel like, do we need to update everyone as to like where we're at? Or are you keeping people up to date on what's going on? Yeah, I mean, Gen X, this is why has ended. It's yes. limping along. We're keeping it's, it limping, it's along. limping along. We'll do some stuff on there, but we'll do some stuff here and there. But for the most part, Jenny and I burned ourselves out three years <laughs> in, in a row doing Little House on the Prairie and Love Boat and after school specials and the like. So, um, most new things are going to be on this feed. Yeah. But I am going to put this on Gen X. Yeah, as well. sure. Yeah. Um, I could still do that. So, guys, if you are listening to this on Gen XY and you're like, why the hell is there something about the bear? It's because I've started my own podcast called Little Miss Recap, where I recap streaming shows and the bear is one of my favorites. So that's why Jenny is talking to me about the bear. Did I make that all clear? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But I meant like what's going on in your life. Oh, so what's going on in my life? Well, the girls are driving. The girls are driving and it is pandemonium here. One of them. I mean, Amy is in. Oh, yeah. Uh, Do you want to tell that story? So my girls took their driving test last week and one passed and one failed. (laughs) Well, we won't name names. Mm -mm. But that has caused a whole thing. It's been a whole imbalance in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And now, like, I've been here, what, five days? Four days? I'm here a long time. Um, Six months? And, like, I witnessed firsthand some of the battles that Amy is in. (laughs) She's, like, in peak teenager hell. Like, -hmm. there's no other way to describe it. And it just reinforces to me that I would have been a terrible fucking parent. And I'm so glad I'm not a parent. And it also reinforces why I can drink, like, two bottles of wine on 4th of July. (laughs) Well, I mean, but, but you handle it with such like poise and because i'm used to it and it's amazing it. like i would be like a psycho if i had mm-hmm. teenagers although mm-hmm. i guess maybe you're you're eased into it but still oh my god mm-hmm. what a, what a, i like i feel like i have to make a formal apology to our parents because i know i did this <laughs> to them oh guys come at me if you had that experience where like you're parenting your own kids and you're suddenly like oh my god i love my mother and father so much <laughs> i was so horrible to them Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, Jenny, anything going on in your life that we need to know about? No. I mean, I was just in Switzerland. That was fun. I think I was I on air after that. I don't know. I don't remember. I, I don't think so. Yeah. Switzerland's great. Everyone should go visit that. It's mm-hmm. fun. It rained the entire time. No, that's not in Switzerland. Just asking. Because <laughs> you went to Copenhagen. <laughs> I was in Zurich and um, it rained the whole time oh. except one day. Zurich, where every soap opera villain hid their money. Yes, on our yep. soap operas. Yes, yeah. James Steinbeck where you had like your a money. whole thing in in Zurich. Swiss bank accounts is where you hide your money. Nope. I, I got that's why, that's I why got I was there hiding money from you. <laughs> All right, um, so let's get into this, Jenny. We're covering The Bear season two, which dropped summer twenty twenty three. Remember, people will be listening to this in the future, hopefully, as a primer before they start season three, which I think is expected early 2025. I'm Exciting. thinking. Really? 
early 2025. Yeah. I mean, with the writer strike, everything is being pushed back. That's right. That's right. Okay. I forgot. So I don't know when we're going to expect it. Overall thoughts on season two compared to season one. I, so when I watched season one, I like the first 75% of it, I was like, this is good. I felt like it really hammered home in the last couple episodes. I'm like, this is really good now. Like I, I'm really mm-hmm. invested in these characters now. I don't hate them as much as I did in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I started, I felt like you went from rooting against them to starting to rooting for them. Like yeah, you made that I transition agree. through season one mm-hmm. and season two, I feel like we're invested in them now. And like, I, I, I just, you know, like you don't have the, you're starting off in a place of like wanting to root for them. And I feel like this season really delivers on that like mm-hmm. like watching and not all of them succeed but like watching the arc of of all of them is very interesting i think it's and way I, more interesting this season one and i feel like i have to make a formal apology because when i was on hey bunky last week i forgot the name of the actor who plays carm okay. who is jeremy allen white like i should know that he's the lead of this show okay and i was like you know what's his name carm from shameless yeah anyway um i agree with you i think the some of the writing in season two is the best writing i've seen really really good is it the same writer i think it is i think it is so i think it's that dude who's like the overlord of everything christopher storer oh he's the writer he's the creator and i believe he's the writer yeah i don't think so not a season two i don't think no, I think he wrote a lot of the episodes. Are you looking that up? Are we going to have a fight about this? Is that a fact? Okay, series writing credits. He's listed in the credits. I mean, he didn't only write it. There's a bunch of other people. There's Karen Adcock. That's an unfortunate name. Sophia Levetsky-Whites. There's Christopher Storer. There's Catherine Scatina and Alex O'Keefe. So there's like a bunch of people. So do they have who wrote each episode? No. I mean, I'm sure I could get into it, but I don't know if I want to bore everybody with that. No, I was just wondering. Yeah. So what I'm going to do, guys, is in, you know, 10 minutes, I'm going to give you a brief overview of what happened in every episode. And then Jenny and I will go through and talk about some of the greater, you know, more holistic stuff like character arcs and things we liked and you know, I'm sure Jenny has an annoying index card somewhere. So what if I want to weigh in on your discussion about the episode? You can absolutely weigh in. Okay. Okay. So this is just designed to give everybody like an idea of what happened in each episode. Big major point. So episode one is called the beef and this is where we pick up and the team is going to renovate, renovate the beef. And they realize how much it's going to cost. And Richie, we meet Richie when he's in a real low place. Yes. And he's in the basement, literally in a low place. He's in the basement, smoking like a chimney. He's got some real Charlie from It's Always Sunny energy going on down there. <laughs> and he's realizing that he has no purpose. We see that Marcus's mother is dying. We learn that. I'll just give each episode and then we could do thoughts on it. Um, We learn Mikey tried to burn the restaurant down once using the really offensive term Jewish lightning. Uh, Nat is brought in as project manager and Tina gets promoted to sous chef. Carm, Sydney, and Nat decide to convince Uncle Jimmy to invest a lot more money into the restaurant. 
and Carm makes a, a devil's bargain when he agrees to pay him back within 18 months or he will literally sign over the building to him. He tells him Mikey really did want to franchise the beef. It was all true. And he knows this because they found the hidden money, which remember was like $300,000. Yes. And then at the end, they realize their timeline of opening in eight months will leave them no room for profit. So they decide they'll open in 12 weeks. 12 weeks. 12 weeks. And for anybody who has done a renovation project on an old building, <laughs> like just add, just triple your timeline from the day you put a, a, a crowbar in that wall. Yes. And not only that, they're like, Richie's got a sheetrock guy. And this one's got, <laughs> like, this is going to be. Did you know, now I did not know this. Did you know FAC is actually like a, a really well known chef or like an executive chef somewhere? Like in real life? Yes. Oh my God. Wait, is that Mario Batali? (laughs) (laughs) Is it Jenny's love, Guy Fieri? (laughs) No, it's definitely not Guy Fieri. (laughs) Episode two is called Pasta, and they're sending Tina and Ibra to culinary school. I thought that was so cool. So cool. Yeah. Tina thrives, Ibra not so much. I thought that was interesting. I thought it was really interesting, like... You know, and, and it, it he's just unable to take advantage of the opportunity. Like he, for whatever reason, like it's, he just doesn't have enough like belief in himself. He's just insanely uncomfortable. Like he just can't do it. And like you, you compare that to Tina who sees clearly mm-hmm. the opportunity and loves it and takes advantage of it. She came a long way from being like a clearly yes. defensive, like in your yes. face person. And yeah. um, the other juxtaposition there I think is uh, Marcus. Yes. Like Marcus is able to take advantage of the opportunity mm-hmm. or he actually kind of makes the opportunity. Like he actually kind of forges his path more so. Yeah, he than, does. Than the other two, because he like takes on that, like I'm interested in desserts and I want to like try mm-hmm. all this stuff. Like he went on a whole different path. It's just, it's very interesting to look at like the generational differences, the racial differences. Yeah. Ibra is really just the old guard, you know, and there's a lot of parallels between him and Richie. In the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like they just both are settled into this. And we all know people like this in our lives who just can't change. It's hard for them to make change. Yep. It's hard for them Um, to see the benefit of the change. This is where Fack and Richie start calling Nat mom. Who's telling mom? I'm telling mom. (laughs) Oh, you're calling mom. It's great. (laughs) And we see like Natalie has just, I'm so, first of all, I'm so glad they brought her in. Yes, they needed to. I love her. Desperately. Love her. And I just love how she plays FAC. Like, oh, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Um, they find Mikey's locker is still intact. They open it to find, I think they found a baseball in it. Baseball hat. A baseball hat. Yeah. Carmi teaches Sydney the, the sign form of I'm sorry, which is you rub your hand in a fist around your heart and it's something he picked up from other chefs that is a way of saying i'm sorry without god forbid saying i'm sorry because we can't well i think a lot of times too they're shouting across the room so (laughs) i think it's like a more like calm down kind of thing yeah i think it's actually shorthand for let's talk later yeah but they come to use it as kind of like an i'm sorry yeah kind of situation Back at the restaurant, Fack, Richie, and Marcus find mold is growing on the walls. We discover Nat is pregnant. And then at a local market, Carm bumps into Claire Bear, someone he's had a crush on since childhood. 
Dun, dun, yeah. Dun. I don't love the whole love story arc. It's boring. Oh, Timmy was railing against it. He hates a love story. It's just, I mean, I don't Here mind a love story. I just feel like this one's unnecessary and boring. Like, I get well, what they're trying to drive home. It serves a greater purpose, yeah. right? It serves a greater purpose. It serves the purpose of you seeing that Carm will deny himself good things. Yeah. And that's yeah. not only because of the restaurant. That is because of the childhood drama, which we see in episode six. <laughs> which we will get to. <laughs> yes. Episode three, Sunday, Carm is still in recovery. We see him in a recovery group in the beginning. And he says... His family ruined his childhood, which I thought was a great line. Yeah. Because <laughs> your family is your childhood. <laughs> yeah, but they can also ruin it. So Sid decides to visit all the great restaurants in Chicago. We get a little setup here of the story where she and Karma are on different uh, paths because she's supposed to meet him somewhere and he stands her up to go hang out with Claire. And Richie learns his daughter's mother has a new friend. They're calling Uncle Frank. And the restaurant has to knock down a wall and Sid and Carm have this weird, like, head fight. Head fight. They have a head fight? Face off. Face off. They have a head fight. They have a head fight. They bump heads. They bump heads. (laughs) About whether whether or not um, she should have, he should have told her about it. And then we meet Sid's dad. Who's like yes. passive aggressive supportive? Oh my god! Did you were you were you triggered? Were you <laughs> triggered? Slightly. Were you triggered by the backhanded compliments? Well, it did bring me back to the place of Graham saying, "You would be so pretty if you lost weight. You have such oh a pretty god. face." If anyone tells you you have such a pretty face, they're saying you're fat, oh and you god. need to punch them right in the fucking face because wow. that's what it means. That's what it means. Like, okay. oh, you have such a pretty face. But what if someone just says that? No. Mm-mm. We, fat people everywhere, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Or the you'd be pretty if. You know what well, I'm no talking about. Well, no one should ever say that. Mm-hmm. We get this idea of the Coach K stuff coming in here. I don't really know what this is. It's a sports thing that is beyond me. Yeah, I guess that was a big thing in Chicago, I'm assuming. Come is at like- us if you've, you know what the fuck Coach K is. Do you think it's like a Joe Paterno situation? Oh, God, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) So episode four is called Honeydew. This one is very, this is Marcus centric. Uh, He goes to Copenhagen. He's going to learn from Will Poulter, who's the guest star. He was the kid on We Are the Millers, in case you didn't see that great movie. Oh, it's fantastic. That's where, did you ever hear anyone say no regret, no regrets? Not one? Not one? No. Okay. He lives on a boat, and we learn that Carm did this exact same shit. Um, And we also see him randomly help some dude who's, like, impaled himself on a fence. That was so random. So random. I don't know what that was. I mean, it's interesting, though. Like, I think, um, because one thing that, I forget who says it to Marcus. Maybe it's the dude, maybe, yeah, it's the Copenhagen dude. Mm-hmm. He says, like, you can do all the time you want in the kitchen. You could perfect your craft. You could spend all these hours, like, learning how to do it. But, like, you have to be inspired by what goes on in the world. Like, you have to be exposed to the outside world. You have to, like, mm. get inspiration there and, like, experience that to be able to to do anything of meaning in your mm. craft, which is, like, true for any art, really, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I like how this episode takes, like, Sydney out, takes Marcus out, and, like, they're experiencing things. I think mm-hmm. that the thing with a guy crashing into the car is like, 
it's just an experience like does that make his way into his dessert later i don't know like is there a wrecked bike and a little <laughs> chain link fence and like some blood i don't like know a bunch of blood all over the plate but i think it was just like experiencing humans do you know what i mean yeah yeah i agree i don't know there could be a whole other meaning to that but i didn't pick it up if jenny's in case wrong. you did jenny's wrong jenny's wrong um okay epi- whatever episode five is called pop unk is surveying the work with only six weeks left open and he's super not happy <laughs> he's, like, yeah, he's super not, happy. not gonna happen uh nat plays him like a fiddle and gets him to move along some of the bureaucratic bureaucratic processes Claire and Carm end up driving to drop some mail off and end up at a weird house party. Yeah, what the hell, man? Now we These are like thirty year olds. Yeah, we did talk about this a yeah. lot, actually. These are thirty mid thirties, mid thirties. Yeah, and they're at like okay. So Timmy said he used to live in Portland and they would have house parties like this in Portland. However, he was only in his twenties. He's in his twenties, yeah. But second, I could see cities like that having party, but not where they're playing cornhole and drinking out red solo no. cups and getting blasted. Not where you're playing pong. Yeah. Beer pong? What did I say? Beer cornhole. Pong. Yeah. I I don't cornhole. Were they playing cornhole? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> it, cornhole is beer pong adjacent. It is? Sure. Okay. Now it is. Now it is. In case you didn't know. We see Tina going to a bar with her culinary school friends and singing karaoke. Okay. Now, the the next four or five episodes are the ones that are the real meat of the season, in my opinion. Episodes one through five, we're setting it up. Yep. Now we get this random hour-long episode, and it's called Fishes. And it is 256 weeks before opening, so roughly five years. And it gives you all the backstory you need to the bear. Like, I recommend re-watching this episode ten times because it's so good. Don't you think? We were shook. We were shook. (laughs) We were shook. (laughs) First of all, Timmy and I really almost had to stop it because it's so... Like the auditory processing, like there's so <laughs> much yelling, there's so much talking over each other, there's so much chaos. It's really hard. It takes place at Carm's mother's house, you know, the the Bears Auto Kids family home. This is the first time we see the mother. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis plays Dee Dee. Amazing. She's amazing. Amazing performance. And it's it's you know she's cooking Christmas dinner and. You just see her spiraling and kind of just going. She's an alcoholic, clearly. and But there's something else going on there. She's not just oh, an alcoholic. severely depressed. Yes. Severe and it's depression. it's going down and down and down and down. And by the time the family gathers together to have the meal of the seven fishes or whatever it is. I have an index it- card. I thought index cards weren't allowed on Little Miss Recap. They are. No, I don't. I don't remember putting that into the handbook for employees. Too late. I didn't read the employee handbook. (laughs) I'm a contractor. (laughs) All right, Jenny. I'm assuming this is on the Seven Fishes, so go. Yes. The Feast of the Seven Fishes is part of the Italian-American Christmas Eve celebration, although this is not what it's called in Italy. 
The abundance of seafood reflects the observance of abstinence from meat until Christmas Day. The tradition comes from southern Italy, where it is known as the Vigil. The celebration commemorates the wait for the midnight birth of Jesus, and it's unclear why Americans use Feast of the Seven Fishes. The first known mention is in the Philadelphia Inquirer in 1983. Whoa. Say that again? (laughs) 1983. Wow. The meal includes seven or more fishes that are considered tradition. I think I think they ate this like they had the meal before, earlier than that, but like yeah. the name came okay. later. Okay. One of the well-known dishes is bakla, bakala, bakala. It's salted codfish. Mm. Have you ever had that? I don't like it's fish. Freaking delicious. But you had me salted. <laughs> it's delicious. They do it like in a salt crust. I had it at like a friends and family at a restaurant once, ironically. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's delicious. The meal. Okay. So the traditional components are anchovies, whiting, lobster, sardines, shrimp, mussels, clams, bacala, smelts, eel, squid, or octopus. So it's like some combination of those typically. Hmm. Um, I also have, I looked up, we used to do this. Do you remember this? Yes. At the Tunises. Our in-laws did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like not our, not our in-laws. Not our not our in-laws. Well, Uncle Joe's in-laws. Yeah. Yeah. But like there was extended in-law Extended family. family. Mm-hmm. Not our family. And uh, I remember smelts. I remember His mother still this. makes smelts. I remember hating this. And like now I would fucking love this. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Um, so I, I looked up a couple facts about, here's, I'm going to throw some facts at you. These are, okay. this is free bonus index oh, content. Bonus index cards. Great. Didn't ask for the, the first one. The Feast of the home of the Seven Fishes is not a Roman Catholic feast day, so it's just part of Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, December twenty fourth was the day that you like abstained from all food. It was a fasting day, mm-hmm. not just not eating meat. That was a whole thing that came much mm-hmm. later. Okay, that came in like the sixties. Yeah, when people were like, "We can't do this shit." <laughs> um, we already know that. We don't care about that. We know that already. It's unclear what the seven fishes signify. However, seven is in the Bible all over the place. Seven seven sacraments, seven virtues, et cetera, et cetera. Um, As I said before, in a 1983 advertisement for a restaurant, that's the first time we see Feast of the Seven Fishes used. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Jen. That's it. I should have read that ahead of time. So we'll come back to episode six because I want to dwell on that for a little bit. You want to dwell on episode six? Yes. So uh-huh. let's let's recap the other three and then we'll come back to that. Episode seven is Forks. This is the Richie Redemption arc. 
We see that Carm has sent him to work in a super fancy restaurant. He sort of gets his groove back at this place, which we'll they talk do, about. In, I can't in remember detail. what they call it, but they do. Like it's a week long thing. A stage. Yeah. yeah. So they they go and they just like train at various restaurants mm-hmm. for a week. We learn that Uncle Frank, quote unquote, has proposed to Tiffany, cousin's ex-wife. Yep. Um, we learn that cousin got the Taylor Swift tickets. And we also see guest star Olivia Coleman, the queen. Yes. The queen oh, would you is... like a small tea in this Chicago restaurant? No. The queen. Oh God. The queen is peeling mushrooms. <laughs> the queen is peeling mushrooms. She plays Chef Terry. And she sort of gives the the kind of summation at the end of this episode that this assignment wasn't just for Carm to get rid of Cousin. It's actually because he believed in him. And she knows that because he told her. Well, and I think she drives home the importance of like doing all the small, like doing the work. Like doing the small things, doing the work. No one's above that. Like that Mm -hmm. gets you to these higher places. Correct. Um, and then episode eight is Bolognese. Um, Ebra returns, Ebra returns, and he is going to run the takeout window where they're going to do the beef sandwiches in the back, which was a great idea. Perfect. And that's perfect for him. Yep. That's his home. Carm and Claire are officially banging now. Richie returns to work and he's wearing suits. He is now suited up Richie. He's wearing suits. He's Well, he mm-hmm. has confidence in himself now. Yep. Fack finally figures out while they're failing the fire suppression test. Tina gets a bunch of new hires, including a dude from SNL. Uh, Suit (laughs) Richie apologizes to Nat, and it's really sincere. And Carmen Sidney have a fight when he shows her drawings of the chaos menu, which were good drawings. Well, he used to be an artist. Yes. And reveals he has changed something because of Claire and Cousin and Nat do interviews for the front of the house and he loses it over a napkin and we'll, we'll save him we're coming back to him I love that. episode 9 omelet Ibra is not safe serve certified Sid sees a favorite restaurant of hers has closed Sydney's dad gives more passive aggressive pep talks there's a broken fridge the Chekhov's gun of this entire season the broken, broken fridge Carm says he'll take care of it he'll call the guy he'll handle it Marcus makes a cannoli similar to those in episode six that um, uh, Dee Dee used to make. And he names it the Michael. And Carm is touched. And we know what Carm does when he's touched. He just nods his head. He's touched. But I mean, he has to also be a little triggered because <laughs> at the end of episode six, that's where the, the infamous fork lands yeah. is in the pile of cannolis. Yes. yes. Uncle Jimmy gives Karma pep talk about poor Stevie Bartman, the kid who fucked the Cubs in the playoffs by catching the fall ball. We remembered that. We remembered it 100%. Everyone hated that kid. Oh, my God. And he wasn't like a kid. I mean, but everyone hated that person. Yes. I think he was like a teenager. like a. Well, he wasn't know. like six. Yeah. No. Uh, Marcus tries to ask Sid out and she bungles it. And Richie gives a talk to the front of the house using the word luxuriation, which I wasn't sure was yeah. a word, but it is. It is. And then episode 10 is the opening. And we see, you know, it's the friends and family. It's the, the friends and family. Yep. And we see a bunch of people there, including Claire. Um, Carm gets stuck in the walk-in because he never Trapped. called the guy. Trapped. And at the very end, 
he is expressing that he has let his team down and it's all because he's been distracted with this relationship and he can't have any pleasure or anything nice and he doesn't deserve it and he doesn't care. He doesn't want it. And Claire, it turns out, has overheard this entire thing and leaves. First of all, it's his fault that he can't balance it. Yeah. Like, yeah. he should be able to have those things and balance his life. But like, he, Jenny, he, no, she's a, like an ER nurse. Yeah. She's like, busy. she has to be working a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. not like she has all this free time. Right. But, like, if he can't balance that, like, that's on him. Mm-hmm. Like, he has to find a way to do both things. But he can also make that decision to be like, this is not the right time in my life sure. for a relationship. Absolutely. And yeah. I want to focus on this new restaurant, which, you know, has a 60% fail rate or whatever. Well, you and know he what could I mean? just be like, yeah, in the first year. And he mm-hmm. could be like, hey, you know, Claire, I'm interested. But, like, now is not a good time for me. And, like, I'll look you up in a year or so. And, like, she could just be like, if I'm around, I'm around. Like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um, he and cousin have a bad fight at the mm. end of this where they're screaming at each other. Real bad. Real bad. And then um, we also see Jamie Lee Curtis. So Nat has invited mom. So mom is still around. Yes. And we see mom and she's hanging around outside and Pete, Natalie's boyfriend or husband, 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 goes out there and he's talking to her. He's begging her to come in. She says, no, I don't deserve anything nice. Same thing Carm's saying. Mm-hmm. I don't deserve it. You know, I need, if I come in there, I will fuck it up for them. They mm-hmm. deserve this. I don't. He slips and tells her about the baby. She had no idea that Natalie was pregnant. And... um. That's and he goes back in and strangely does not tell Natalie. I think like I don't know. I thought that there was I thought that that was really well written. Um, like I think that Pete sees her for the first time, like mm-hmm. the mother. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like really sees her and and who she is and how suffering, how much she's suffering, mm-hmm. and like just. I I think it, I think it's almost better if if uh what's her name fuck. Jamie Lee Curtis, Dee Dee, Natalie, Dee Dee, Natalie. If Natalie doesn't know she's there, instead of like saying she's there but she didn't want to come in, mm. like, and then telling him, what does he tell her that he told her about the baby? Like, it. I would have that conversation with her the next day, not right there. Oh, okay. Because like, maybe he talks to her, her about it the next day. He does say to her, like, I think you need to forgive her for not coming. Yeah. There's a lot going on here. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you know think I mean? about the mom walking into that place after all the shit that has gone down and all those people that are there. Like it's all the people from episode six that are there. Yeah, let's go let's go back to episode six, because that's the end. So let's go back to episode six. What stood out to you here? I mean, it was amazing. I mean, I think the dynamics of the family make sense. Like Michael kind of was the alpha dog to like Richie. And it's interesting because mm-hmm. Richie's a completely different person in episode six. Yeah, he's like upstairs with his girlfriend. What's her name? Uh, Tish? Tiff. Tiff. He's upstairs with Tiff. Tiff is newly pregnant and he's very vulnerable with her and yep. very soft and yep. very much in love with her. Yeah, and he's very like traumatized by like when all this shit starts going down and Michael and Lee are fighting. Lee is the stepfather. They... Like, like Richard is kind of with Natalie and Carm, right? Like he's mm-hmm. like in the traumatized group of people. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's not a traumatizer. 
Mm, I disagree because when when we see Richie and Michael telling Carm that they ran into Claire Bear. We ran into Claire Bear. They're picking on him like they're big, big He's sick. a little bit of a scorch, but like mm-hmm. when the and it violence triggered, me. triggered but me. when yeah, sure. But when the violence I grew starts up with a big scorch. <laughs> but when the violence starts, he's yeah. not part of that. He's yeah. not part of that. Like that's where he draw like that's where he draws the line. Like doing a little light scorching, he's fine with. You know, mm-hmm. he jumps in on that. But he just kind of like like jumps on, piles on to Michael doing it. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't seem like the instigator. He just piles on when Michael's doing it, but Michael takes it a step too far and he doesn't go with him on that. Like he's trying to calm Michael down at that dinner. I, like I every, was telling go ahead. I'm sorry. Like every like you see the sides of like the people escalating it and the side and who's trying yeah. to like yeah. like like take it down. And it's and Lee, Lee and Michael that are Lee escalating. Played by Bob Odenkirk is he is just egging him on. He's, He's screaming escalating. at him, you're a loser. You're never going to yep. amount to anything. It's He's bad. an escalator and the mother's an escalator. Yeah. Like they're yeah. both, you know what I mean? Like they're the three escalators and everybody else is trying to like pull this back. Although what's her name too? Sarah Paulson escalates oh, a little great. bit too. She's great. Like just a little bit. Mm-hmm. But like, and- I don't think she really does it on purpose, but she's just like calling out some bullshit. There's or like this, wrong, wrong context. Well, I think she's trying to side with Natalie. Yes. She's trying to protect Because ironically, the yes. whole the whole beginning of the episode is set up with Natalie stop asking mom if she's okay, right? Right. But then ironically, the time that she does ask her if she's okay, you really think she needed to be asked if she was okay. Yeah, but she was it's literally a trigger. crying. But it's a trigger, and apparently everybody knew that. And it was a yeah. huge trigger. Yeah, but I but think like, Sarah Paulson's Nat- saying like, right, no, though. right. Yeah. Sarah Paulson's yes. like, no, you don't look okay. Is like right. her way of saying like, Natalie had a right to ask you that. Yeah. Like you're not okay, obviously. Because Sarah Paulson is like the audience here. She's the yep. one who sees this is fucked up. And I love that yep. tender moment when she asks Carmi to come to New York with her. She's yes. like, you can't be here. Like this is yeah. not you. You can't yeah. be here. Because there's a lot of weird passive aggressive resentment. Yep. From the mother to Carmi for for leaving, for going to Copenhagen, for not being, you know what I mean? Like not staying. There's this whole idea of not staying and getting out and escaping, and we yeah. see now how Carmi escaped. But well, I think Michael feels the same this. way. But I think Michael feels the same way. Like he pushed Carmi away. Yes, but we're we're unclear as to why. Like it sounded like that happened before Carmi made the decision to leave. Well, in the closet, when they're in that food pantry, Michael is saying, like, you don't want this. I'm saving you from this. Go do something else. Like, you don't want the beef. It's a piece of shit. It's cake. Yeah. And we do see that in season one. It's a piece of shit. Yeah. Like, it's so, so dysfunctional. Michael maybe probably, that's his way. Michael maybe probably that's was his on way drugs. Of doing it. Yeah. Yeah, he was probably on drugs at the time. You know what I mean? He was like, don't get involved. Like, it was really bad. Um. Carmi, typical younger Sib, is, you know, the empathetic one, the lightning rod for emotion, the sensitivity. The what? Nothing. Did you say weak one, you son of a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> that, that younger Sib role, I mean, you know, you just can't overlook it. Um, Let's talk about Richie real quick. So it's funny because I always called him cousin, but once we saw him have this return to normalcy or this redemption arc i start calling him richie 
Yeah. Which is it's, really interesting. I thought the arc of Richie's story was really good. Um, he see like when he he sees where he belongs. Like he sees the place. Like Carmi's good at the food. You know what I mean? Like Natalie's good with the numbers. Mm-hmm. Fack is good with the fixing of things. And like you know he he's good with people, but doesn't realize it because there's no yes. there was no place for that before. I mean there was a little bit. Like you would see him in his in his element when he was behind the counter, like talking to the crowds of people. Right. Or you remember when the, the crowds were gathering outside doing like shady business and he'd be out there like, Hey guys, come on down the street and blah, blah, blah. You know? Yeah. So like he, he didn't understand. I don't think he understood how that skill set fit into translated, translated into fine dining. Mm -hmm. And like he, he learns that. And I think Carm knew this. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean? and he learns that like that's a whole skill set. That's a whole really valued skill set at in this level of dining, and he gets it. He understands like he he really when he watches that woman do it, he's like really excited by it. He's like, I understand this. I get like this. I understand. Mm-hmm. The woman you're talking about is the one at the other restaurant who was on Parenthood, right? She was yes. on Parenthood. I yeah, didn't I think, watch Parenthood, but yeah, I think she was on Parenthood. Ugh, can't remember. Um. So what do you think? Where do you think they're going to go in season three? Let's wrap this up. Um, like obviously I, we. End I just with want to talk Army about one more thing as a mess. Go ahead. I think season two had a deheroization of Carmi. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like he he kind of falls from this elevated place, right? Because going into season two, he's like he's the guy who knows everything. Like, he, yes. you know what I mean? Like, yes. and now he's like almost the failure of the group. You know, right, he has fallen yeah. from grace. We see him and at everybody the end, else literally, Jenny, he's literally in a glass case of emotion. <laughs> he literally <laughs> he's, is. He's yes. locked in a freezer facing his own demons. Yes. And that's, yeah. Yeah. So we, so I think season three, we'll see his comeback. Like we'll see him come into his own. I would think, um, I, I'm, I hope to see more of Richard like doing well. I'm worried Richard. about Richard after that fight. Because I yeah. feel like he went right back to that place. Because he started that fight because he called Carmi Donna. Yes, he did. He but said, oh. I thought that was a step forward because it's like the elephant in the room, somebody's finally naming. Yes. But Do you like, know what I mean? It triggered hard Carmi. And like he ended up in this ugly fight again. I was, when I watched it again, I was listening carefully to what he said. He was screaming, and I, feel I better. love you. But I feel better after hearing what he said. I feel like he didn't go to the places he normally goes to in those mm-hmm. fights. But like mm-hmm. I think like you see him after. And I mean everybody's been in this place where you're like, oh God, I went back to this place again. Mm-hmm. And like I said mm-hmm. to myself I wouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. And like but I think he's regretting it, which is good. Yes. I do too. Like being being triggered like that and getting into that kind of like screaming match. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I so thought obviously seeing, go ahead. I thought seeing Sid like Sid is in the same place. Like she did really well, but like she was not as on top of it as she, you know what I mean. Like her greenness, she's young though, yeah. Well, that's green. it. Like she yeah. underestimated how green and inexperienced yes. she was, and she was overconfident in that way. And like she finally got that check. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where she's like, I need to, I need to give this to people who have more experience in life than I do. Yes. Like this, you know, I'm not ready for this yet. And I think that's gonna serve her, right? It's not gonna hurt her. It's gonna serve her. But she needed to realize that because she was pushing into these things that she wasn't ready for. 
So will we see a love story between her and Marcus in season three? I think that's where they have to go with it. Yeah, and I don't even understand why she's mad at Marcus. That makes no sense, but I don't either. I don't think she is. Yeah, I think think she's she's just just awkward. She has so walled herself off from any idea of romance or pleasure that forget it. Yeah, Um, and I think she has to like get some kind of balance in her life in the future. And I think we're going to see Richie sort of start to take care of his own house now. Right? Yeah. Like, he and Tiffany still love each other. She said, I love you. And he said, I love yeah. you. Yeah. And so he might fight for her, which I don't think he was doing before. I think he no, was I don't think so. being all aggro about it, but not yep. fighting for her in a real way. Right. And he might do that Well, now. and the, the only, like, the way he needed to fight for her is to clean up his life and get his shit together. Yes. Like, he needed to make an example of, yes. like, this is how I am now. Yes. And I think that you're right. We're going to see the rise of Carmi or Carmi trying to get it back together. I'm sure we'll have some annoying shit with Claire. He'll be like trying to get back with her. And I would like to see more of the mother. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is so good. And we don't. And and I love the fact that Natalie, as she's becoming a mother herself, is trying to reconcile this with the mother. I think because Natalie was so focused on the mother showing up, I think we'll see more of like their relationship. I hope so. Next season. Yeah. I hope so. Subscribe to Little Miss Recap and leave us a five-star review. Jenny, you'll be back recapping some, hopefully some important shows coming up in the future. I'd like you to do House of Dragon with me. Yeah. Okay. I think that'll be fun. You have to commit to it, though. All right. Here we go. See? All right. See how it is? Mm -hmm. If you're listening on Gen X, this is why. Stay subscribed. Stuff could be popping up at any time. You never know. And check out Little Miss Recap backdoor friends our facebook group where you can slide on in the back door open also for anal lovers you know whatever slide in the back door we we do not discriminate wow you did not run that branding by me (laughs) not even close wow okay all right guys thanks so much for listening and we'll see you soon softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.